Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hey, family, and welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I'm the founder and host, Ms. Genesis Amaris Kemp, and thank you so much for tuning back in. Today, my guest is Jen Hoffmeister, and here's a bit about Jen. She is a mother, widow, entrepreneur, and former film gypsy, and one, one half of the Now What pod. She is passionate about sharing the real, real of her journey as a parent living through trauma and loss, and believes that through sharing our stories, we can help each other grow in empathy and foster greater, more real connections with one another. Jen and I are going to spend some time talking about grief and loss and how to overcome that, but also making sure that we understand the importance of each person's personal story and we show that empathy. So without further ado, please welcome Jen Hoffmeister to Jen to Jen's podcast. Hi. Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for being here. I definitely want <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure. I, I definitely want to start with connecting with you more on a personal level. So I'm going to give you two options before we dive into our segment. And one is to play a rapid fire game or to break the ice up front. So which would you like to do? We can do rapid fire. Ooh, do you want to do it now or do you want to do it at then? Whenever, doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm pretty easy. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, we'll do it up front. Get it out of the way. So y'all, okay. we're going to play rapid fire with Jen. So question numero uno, favorite co- color? Red. Dream car? Uh, any kind of convertible. <laughs> Three, if you could go anywhere in the world, money was no option, but here's the caveat. You may not be able to come back home. Where would it be? Oh, wow. Um, somewhere warm with the beach, probably uh, Southern Italy. Okay. Four, if you had any superpower for a day, what would it be? To read people's minds. Ooh, okay. Five, if you could go back and talk to your younger self, what's one piece of advice you would give? You're stronger than you think. Six, are you a coffee or tea drinker? Coffee all the time. Seven, Apple or Android? Apple. <laughs> Eight, okay, if you had to recreate your wedding day, would there be something you would change? No. No, okay. Nine, so think about you're on a deserted island, you have limited funds, and you could only buy one item, what would that be? That's a hard one. (laughs) 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 Oh my goodness. Uh, I don't, something to like that I could listen to music with. Okay. Oh, so you love listening to music. That's always good. And then 10. You could either pass or play, and here's the rules. If you play, I ask you one more question. If you pass, you could ask me a question that you're eager to know. 
I mean, I'll play. I like the okay. questions. <laughs> so 10. What is one crazy thing that you've done in your life? I mean, moving to Toronto was a pretty crazy thing for me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I moved here for my late husband and I was that person that always said I would never do anything like that. Oh, okay. Where did you move from? Uh, I Well, I grew up outside of Boston, but I was living in Los Angeles at the time. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Since you grew up outside of Boston, but you were living in L.A., are you a Dunkin' Donuts fan? Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee, not okay. hot coffee. Okay, because y'all have them everywhere in Boston. I'm like, man, where's the Starbucks at? We all, they're, they're everywhere now too. I feel like when I left there, I guess it was like 15 years ago, maybe longer, uh, there weren't as many Starbucks. But even out in the suburbs where my folks are, they seem to be everywhere as well. Apparently we like coffee. <laughs> nice. <laughs> But, you know, Canada has some really good coffee, too. I like Tim Hortons when I went there. Mm, I don't really like Tim Hortons so much. <laughs> but <laughs> in Toronto, they like hipster coffee. So there's lots of amazing, like, hipster, like, really good coffee shops. That's, like, mm. more of my jam. I'm definitely going to have to check that out when I visit my family in Toronto. So now that we played Rapid Fire, we know a little bit more about Jen, y'all. So now we're going to dive into our segment which we're going to focus on grief, loss, um, connecting with people's personal stories, and just hear a little bit more of Jen's story because there's a reason why she's talking about grief and loss, and it's because of what she's went through. So Jen, can you talk to us about why you're so passionate about grief and loss and what your story is around the subject matter? So in July of 2019, my husband left for work in the morning and um, he worked in the film business. He worked in physical effects. So he would make rain and fire and snow, um, work closely with the stunt department. And so on this day they were flipping a car and um, which sounds crazy. And people are probably like, that sounds really dangerous. But for us, it was normal. Um, I called him from the beach that we were at and I had like some ridiculous mundane question for him and he was like Jen I gotta go flip a car and then 20 minutes later I got a call that there was an accident and um what the accident was which I didn't end up finding out until later a little bit later um was that the rig that was flipping the car failed um something exploded off of it and hit him in the head he was 85 feet away um and it was a fatal blow so he left for work and didn't come home and we have two little boys who at the time were four and six um so it was extremely traumatic it was extremely sudden and unexpected um and my personal experience and lived experience and that of parenting my boys and just through all of this um it's become increasingly apparent that culturally in north america we are very uncomfortable with grief and loss we don't know how to approach it um we're we're all dying we're all going to lose people and yet we don't know how to speak to and support people when they're going through it wow and um, that is a horrific accident i'm sorry that you as well as your boys had to go through it, especially at such a young age and yeah. i 
completely understand where you're coming about coming from whenever you say people in North America don't know how to deal with um, grief and loss. And did you ever feel like people were giving you like cliche lines like, oh, well, we live to die or we're all going to die someday or he's in a better place or whatever the lines may have been um, thinking that it was going to comfort you. But in actuality, sometimes they don't even comfort you. They make you feel worse. And I'm just using some of those lines as an example, because that's when I, what I heard when I lost my father. And I'm like, I just wanted to say STF you like, shut the fudge up because that is not helping me. And the worst line I've heard is I know how you feel. And I'm like, you can't possibly know how I feel if you've never lost a parent. You don't know how I feel if you've never lost a sibling or whatever the case may be, because I've lost a sibling in 2015, lost my dad in 2020, lost my grandmother nine months, five days after my dad passed. I literally think she passed of a broken heart syndrome because she really grieved my dad. Yeah. And then just recently in 2022, lost my grandmother who was 99 years old, but that still doesn't, you know, take away how I feel. So within a year and a half, I've lost three significant people back to back on top of my corporate job, which is another form of grief. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's quite a few things you brought up there um, that are interesting. Um, but what you said most recently about losing your corporate job, this the the pandemic and what that has done for people, there is an inability to recognize that we're all grieving as a result of that. And in my own like dark way, when the pandemic hit and people were like losing things as far as like connection and jobs and all of these things, I was like, ha, now you see what it's like. Um, in my very, um, not adult way. Um, but, but the idea when people will say cliched things, I have two things to say about that because I had to tell my young children that their father died. It's important with kids to keep it very direct. And so that's what I did. And so those, a lot of those things like they're in a better place or whatever, you can't say that to a kid because what's better than being with me, number one, and it makes it sound like they're in a place where they might come back from, which is not the case. Um, So I was fortunate that I really was vigilant about kind of insulating us from that um, and made it very clear to anybody who spent any time with us that that kind of language was not allowed. So I don't think I got as much of it. Also, I mean, honestly, if anybody had said that to me, I'd be like, he wasn't supposed to die. Like, that was just not like, he wasn't sick. He wasn't in pain. He wasn't uncomfortable. You know, there's nothing better. He's not in a better place. He would want to be here right now. Um, Some things that I did hear that would, would really uh, bother me though, would be like, oh, well, at least you have amazing memories. And it's like, okay, cool, but we don't get to make any more. Um, And then the idea of anybody saying they completely understand, I could lose my father tomorrow and I'm still not going to understand your experience because it's your relationship and your grief grows out of your relationship. Warren, my husband, had three sisters. They all experienced the loss of an older brother. They are all going to experience that and feel that very differently. It's a very personal thing 
Um, so that idea that anybody can completely understand, you just can't. And that's okay. I think we lean on that to comfort ourselves more than the other person. Yeah. And I like the one thing that you were saying as you were talking is that you encourage people that would come into your world with your boys that certain language was not allowed and what you did there was set up boundaries because if you're telling your kids one thing you don't want someone to come in and be a counter voice that you know calls them to question what is already taking place especially not knowing especially you know not knowing how it may or may not affect them but also the fact that their father is never going to come back right we like to sorry go ahead no no no. I was gonna say and it's so hard because people like to I think minimalize or marginalize because I think you can look at it from both vantage points whenever something happens whether it is you know a knee-jerk accident or if that individual was sick these things do happen mm-hmm. I think we do that as a way because it's uncomfortable right it's uncomfortable sitting with someone in that deep pain and so we almost I think instinctively want to just like be able to check it off like I said that thing and so they feel better and I did my job when you can't like the fact is and what I think we need to make come to terms with is that there's nothing you can say that's going to make me feel better not one thing it's impossible nobody can This is your, grief is your body's physical response to a loss, a loss of attachment. When you talk about losing a parent, that is your formative attachment. So it doesn't matter if they're sick or old or any of it. That is an attachment that you do not have anymore. Um, And then with a partner, um, there's some like index or rating of like the most stressful life experiences one can have. Losing your partner is like number one, because you have built a life with this person. Your whole future rests on this life that you're creating with this person. And you're, you're, there's so many um, emotional and logistical things that are entwined in that. Um, and so to, to, to think that in that case, you can say anything that's going to make me feel better is when you, when you put it in those terms, it's laughable. Yeah. It's, it's ludicrous because who are you like captain savior to just like wave a magic wand and be like, I hope you feel better. No, I think people have to realize that you have to sit in the emotions and deal with grief on your terms. There's no right or wrong way to grieve. And you have to actually go through the emotions. And another thing I would say is when you're going through the grief journey, it's always good to talk to a paid um, specialist or, you know, physician that specializes in grief. What does grief look like? Because sometimes you can't even talk to your close family members or friends because they may not necessarily have the right words to say, yes, they're going to be there to support you, but there's only so much support that they can give based on you know, their experience and their experience is not your experience. Their struggles are not your struggles, but what they can be is a sounding board to listen. And I would 
like people to really listen and hear somebody out when they're going through the grief and just comfort them to say, oh, is there anything that I can do for you? Just start with that question versus just pushing your assumptions on that individual. Well, interesting, the idea of asking if there's anything you can do, I would counter that with saying that just do something. Because the fact is, when you're in it, when you're deep in it, you don't know what you need. And there are certain things that we all need. We all need to eat. We all need our laundry done. We all need our house cleaned. We all need someone to take out the garbage. Like we all need those things. So if you're close enough to somebody, you just step in and do those things. Or even something, I, I, I talk about this whenever I talk to anybody, but one of my son's teachers um, texted one day and was like, I left Starbucks on your front porch. Um, you know, just if, if you're not close enough where, like I have friends that, and family that would come in and literally just like clean to my house. Like if you're, you have to recognize where you are in this scope of, with someone, but like you can drop off a coffee, you can put, you know, an Uber Eats gift card, you know, email it to them or drop like a gift card for food in their mailbox because those things you have to continue to live. And those are parts of living. Um, so but it can feel so impossible to even, or you just don't even want to bother doing any of it when you're in it. Um, so I think it's important. You can ask, but when someone's in it, they don't, they don't know what they, they can't say what they need. Um, and those needs don't go away. That's not to say I need people coming into my house and, well, I'd love that if they came into my house and cleaned it. Um, but, uh, you know, eight months later, when when the pandemic hit, I had someone in the neighborhood be like, hey, we have way too much lasagna tonight. Do you mind if I drop some off? Um, I'll never say no to that. Or my my podcast co-host on my show actually is a teacher at my kid's school. And if her husband makes too much dinner, she's been known to find me at school drop off and give me a Tupperware of food from their dinner last night, you know, because it just doesn't go away. And those, for me, food is a big deal. Anybody who knows me knows that, right? So like, that's a way to show love and, and all of it. Um, but there's like those little things, like I think it goes to this idea that's not grief specific. Like if you're thinking about somebody, just let them know. Yeah. I'm How over amazing. here. How amazing would that be? If, if, you know what I mean? Like just for no reason. If, if somebody just sends you a message like, hey, I'm thinking of you, I hope everything's going okay, regardless of what's going on in your life. I definitely think what someone doing that gesture, it adds a smile to your face. And I guess um, just to say, let me just add some context why I said what I said whenever I um, inform people to ask is because some people can be very overbearing. Like um, after my dad passed, like people would just show up or they would just want to come over to the house whenever it wasn't a time that was conducive that I right. wanted to see people at my house, especially whenever he came home for a little bit and we still had the hospital bed and et cetera, because he passed eight days after having a medical surgery, eight days he passed wow. after that. Yeah. And so traumatic. people would just think that it's okay to just pop up and no, just don't pop up at someone's house. I would just 
encourage people to call because you just never know the mental state that somebody is in mm-hmm. or just little things. And I think um, culturally it's different because I am um, South American and Caribbean descent. So sometimes things could be overbearing versus a person Absolutely. Who, who is really American. And I'm like, hold up, dude. Like, because you may get me on a day that is not so conducive and then I'm going to say something that may not be so nice I don't mean to say it out of hate or malice or ill will but it's just out of emotion and it's because you pushed me there I'm not a perfect person but sometimes negative fancy that ego pops out of my head and is real and I can't always contain contain negative Nancy because positive Patty may not want to come out to play because I have to literally name my ego yeah well I think that's that's a really fair point like we uh um, I spoke with a woman who she doesn't like to be hugged by not her people. She doesn't want you in her space. She would die if you just knocked on her door. And and when her son died, this woman who she barely knew insisted on hugging her in the Walmart parking lot. And she was very – she was rude about it, the, the, the woman who was receiving it, because she kept saying she didn't want it. And this woman wasn't respecting that. So you do have – like, don't just show up at people's houses, but – in this world that we live in, you can like, like just send a text, be like, hey, I have some, you know, I have soup that I want to drop off. I'm going to leave it on your porch. If you want to visit, I can do that. Like there's ways to do it, but also just own that you might make a mistake and that's okay. It's just, it's life. Like you, I, I don't know, you might, you might, you might fuck it up in saying something. You might fuck it up. Pardon me. I'm sorry if we're not allowed to curse. You might mess it up. <laughs> um, uh, but that's that's okay. It's not even a reflection on you. It's 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 you tried. It's that effort. I think like as simple. It lets somebody know that you're thinking of them, even if you don't know the right thing to do. Like the people who don't say anything for fear of saying the wrong thing. Well, it's like, I mean, I don't know that there is a right thing. Like I said before, there is no right thing to say. Own that you don't know what to say. Own that you are out of your depth and how to be there for somebody, but show up for them anyway and sit in the mud with them. Just let them be where they are, meet them where they are, and accept them where they are without trying to make it better, I think is a huge thing. And it's really hard to do. Absolutely. And thank you for adding that point, Jen. And another thing I want to talk about is as we begin to wind down soon is the self-care part. Whenever you're going through the grief journey, self-care and self-awareness, I think that's important to the healing process and journey, whether you're journaling, whether you're taking time to, you know, just kind of get outside the house, be at one with nature, taking a hot bubble bath or something like that. I think that is important to help you go through the healing journey. Um, what what I did whenever I was um, tired of hearing people's baloney was I started my podcast out of the grief journey where I just talked into the phone and I did solo episodes in the very beginning. And I was just talking about how I felt dealing with grief and just being real and raw. And before I knew it, people were messaging me saying, hey, I listened to that episode on your podcast. It really resonated with me. I'm going through something similar. And I felt like I had nobody. And that kind of touched, that kind of like hurt me, but it also touched me too. Because to have somebody say that they felt like they had nobody to talk to, 
it was kind of disheartening because where are your your friends? Where are your support systems? I say your tribe, where are they at to help you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's important too, those are all like amazing suggestions, but it's important to recognize they might not be the suggestion for, for you. And I think the important thing to know about self-care, it's time spent in your values and the things that fill you up. Um, you know, we're bombarded on the daily with things to buy and whatever because it's self-care, but that doesn't mean that it is for you. I personally love a bubble bath. I have a friend who does not see the freaking point of it. She's like, half my body's hanging out of the tub. I'm cold. This is not fun. I don't enjoy it. So, or, you know, oftentimes people will be like, do yoga. I love to do yoga. I have another friend who she was going through um, a time and everybody kept telling her to do yoga and she'd go to yoga and she'd lie that she loved it, but she hated it, you know, and that's okay. It's be willing, you can take advice from people, but if the things you're doing aren't filling your cup in the long run, find something else. It doesn't have to be this prescribed thing like it is for somebody else. It has to serve you. I mean, I wish I was somebody that felt really at peace cleaning and organizing. I wish that helped me. It would be nice. It does not. It stresses me out even further and then I stop in the middle. So, you know, like finding those things that really fill you up and are what are good for just you, I think is important and can be hard too. Absolutely. Do something that is edifying you. Do something that adds value to you. And do something that just makes you feel warm and fuzzy. So those were great additions there, Jen. And as we wind down, I want you to leave the listeners and viewers with your call to action for this segment. After they heard you and I just share a bit of our grief journey, what is it that you want them to do? Or is there a challenge you want them to take whenever it comes to grief and loss? My challenge is to just sit with somebody when they've lost someone and say, I'm here for you. And and recognize, whether you say it or not, that there's nothing you can say or do to make it better. Um, when my kids are in having a grief wave and in a moment, I just, like, I hold them and I say, this is garbage. It's not fair and it's garbage. And sometimes that's all we need is just to know who those people are that will just sit with us when it's hard and let it be hard in that moment. Um, I think as adults, I I think as women especially, we like to fix. We like the people around us to be good and happy. It's very it's very hard to do. I I couldn't do it until having gone through this experience. So I challenge anyone listening to practice being that person that can do that for their loved ones. Thank you for sharing that, Jen. So just sit with them and let them know you are there for them. And Jen, um, please plug your website and where you primarily hang out on social media. So um, I have a podcast, The Now What Pod. Uh, We're at nowwhatpod.com. we're at the Now What Pod on Instagram. I'm also on Instagram personally uh, at Jen underscore Hoffmeister underscore, um, where I share an amalgamation of grief 
and um, self-care and I don't know, all kinds of ridiculousness. My self-care lately involves dance classes, so usually there'll be something embarrassing of me doing that. Um, and yeah, and I love to connect with people, whether it's grief related or otherwise. Mm, nice. And then I just want to just read back your um, Instagram handle. Is it underscore Jenny underscore the Hoffmeister? Hoffmeister? It's, uh, it's Jen underscore Hoffmeister underscore. Somebody took the one without it at the end. So I had to add another little dash at the end. <laughs> awesome. And then for y'all listening, I'm going to spell Hoffmeister for you so you know it's the right Jen. So it's H as in Henry, O as in open, F as in Frank, F as in Frank, M as in Mary, E as in Edward, I as in Isaac, S as in Sarah, T as in Tom, E as in Edward, R as in Richard. So that's Hoffmeister. And it's Jen with one N. <laughs> so thank you so much, Jen, for being on Jen's podcast and bringing value to the platform. Listeners and viewers, make sure you subscribe and share this segment. We're on 40 plus platforms. You could also find all video components at YouTube by typing in at GEMS with Genesis and Mars Kemp. And lastly, but not least, we are currently looking for brand sponsors. Space is limited, but you can have your products and services heard right here where we are currently ranked in the top 3% out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com. Go head on over to Genesis Amara's Kent, hit that drop down and go to the podcast tab and find out more info there. Until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Go take that challenge and sit with the person that is grieving and let them know that you are okay and don't try to fix them. Just really listen and just be that support and sounding board. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.